0: This is Binghamton now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and
1: WNBF.com
2: where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 3rd. You're listening to WNBF. Johnson City police say more than a dozen people are expected to face charges following a protest outside the Wegman's store on Harry L Drive. The demonstration was held in response to the killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis and the violent arrest of a Binghamton man. According to a Johnson City Police Department news release, about 50 people participated in the protest on Wegmans' property. The release indicated Wegmans had called Village Police for help because they did not want the event to take place on their property. The police department reported protesters ignored directives by store employees to leave the site. According to the news release, officers advised participants and reporters to leave and anyone not in compliance was guilty of trespass. These are the people who were arrested, according to the Johnson City Police Department, Angela Kennedy Richardson of Binghamton, Nicole Baisley of Endicott, Courtney Hollenbeck of Maine, New York, Sarah Faber of Binghamton, John Cook of Endicott, Masai Andrews of Endicott, Chanel Boyce of Binghamton, Therese Weathers of Binghamton, Robert Wilson of Binghamton, Matthew Ryan of Binghamton, Samuel Whalen of Binghamton, Marissa Robinson of Binghamton, Kareen Visvari of Binghamton, and Grace Weiderkrantz of Binghamton. Ryan is a former mayor of Binghamton. Police said a 17-year-old boy also was arrested. His name was not released. According to the news release, more charging information will be released as the incident is sorted out. Police added no follow-up questions or interview requests will be taken at this time. We will be releasing additional information in the coming days. Several see-through noise reduction panels have been taken down along a section of Route 201 flyover in Johnson City. The noise barriers were removed by crews last week over Boland Drive. According to the State Department of Transportation, loose concrete was observed during a routine inspection of the busy link between Vestal and Johnson City. At this point, it's not clear whether the spalling of the concrete bridge siding that's occurred will lead to significant repair work. A DOT statement indicates the agency is assessing the Route 201 bridge over the Susquehanna River and was closed while the noise barriers were taken down over a period of about three days. The panels were installed in December 2005 as the flyover project was being created. A woman who lives just east of the site told WMBF News on Thursday that she hadn't noticed any significant difference since the noise barriers were removed. She said the noise from the vehicles using Route 201 doesn't seem to disrupt my sleep. It was the winter of 2010 and excitement buzzed all around Binghamton as a film crew rolled into town and rumors began to swirl that perhaps a music video was being filmed in Broome County and for a major name artist. Broome County residents didn't have to wait long for the answers they were looking for. A music video was in fact being filmed in Broom County for none other than megastar Taylor Swift and for her song Back to December. While Swift herself wasn't in town for any part of the filming, residents waited in anticipation for the music video to be released so they could look for local landmarks and perhaps catch a glimpse of someone they knew in the background. When the video was released, we spotted outdoor footage of MacArthur Park, a field on Underwood and Castleman in Vessel, Juneberry Bridge, a house on the corner of Juneberry by the bridge, a field by the park on Juneberry next to the creek, and of course the castle house that sits on Route 26 in Vestal near Foster and Maine. Now a piece of that music video is being torn and a new business is moving in. The castle house, featured in Back to December, is located on Route 26 in Vestal, and a local couple says they'll be tearing it down Funky Bees plans to open a hot dog and ice cream shop at the property by late spring. However, the castle house has got to come down. According to Funky Bees, there is simply no way to save the structure. Structural engineers and inspectors both agree that the foundation is unsafe, the beams are rotting, and the building is beyond repair. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, comprised of detectives and officers from the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Binghamton Police Department, Johnson City Police Department, and Endicott Police Department, announced two major cases overnight in the village of Endicott and in the town of Shenango, recovering tens of thousands of dollars in narcotics and illegal weapons. On Wednesday, February 1st, the task force executed a search at 127 Washington Avenue, apartment 2 in the village of Endicott, seizing a variety of evidence, including fentanyl and firearms. On Thursday morning, February 2nd, the task force conducted a drug interdiction stop on a vehicle on Interstate 81 northbound at Exit 7 in the town of Shenango. The task force was assisted by the Broome County Sheriff's Office patrol units, the U.S. Office of Homeland Security Investigations, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection Air and Marine Operations. During the stop, a narcotic dog was utilized and alerted to the presence of narcotics emanating from the vehicle. All arrested individuals were transported to the Central Arraignment Park Court at the Broome County Correctional Facility to await arraignment. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated, These two cases are the result of the hard work and dedication put in by our local men and women of law enforcement every day, paying off in a big way. Nearly $50,000 of fentanyl off the streets means countless overdoses prevented and lives saved. If you do the math, our team recovered roughly 570,600 fatal doses of fentanyl. A published report says federal authorities are investigating whether embattled New York Representative George Santos raised $3,000 for life-saving surgery for a disabled veteran's dog and then kept the money for himself. Politico reported that two FBI agents contacted U.S. Navy veteran Richard Ostoff on Wednesday on behalf of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York. The local news site Patch reported last month that Santos set up a GoFundMe account to treat Ostoff's dog but refused to turn over the funds. A spokesperson for the U.S. Attorney's Office said he could not comment. A message-seeking comment was left with Santos' attorney. A newly released audio recording offers a behind-the-scenes look at how former President Donald Trump's campaign team in a pivotal battleground state knew that they had been outflanked by Democrats in the 2020 presidential election. But even as they acknowledged defeat, they pivoted to allegations of widespread fraud that were ultimately debunked repeatedly by election officials and the courts. The audio from November 5th, 2020, two days after the election, is surfacing as Trump again seeks the White House while continuing to lie about the legitimacy of the outcome and Democrat Joe Biden's win. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers, patchy blowing snow afternoon, mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 15. Wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, a 40% chance of snow. Tonight, chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m. Patchy blowing snow before midnight, mostly cloudy with a low near 2 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 20. Blustery with wind gusts as high as 36 miles per hour, a 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 20, wind chill as low as negative 17. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 19. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 42, Sunday night cloudy, a low near 32 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF. WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio
3: 1290 WMBF.
4: Bunkle up for the week's most important radio program. Bob Joseph Live. Phones will be opening up in a moment. Only authorized people shall participate today 607-772-1290 is the official number so if you feel authorized and you have a few thoughts by all means we encourage you to participate in the broadcast the program is being recorded for those who may wish to listen to it at a later date and here we go it's nice that they're going to record it for those who want to listen to it at a later date. I think that's a nice touch. Let's, uh, before we go any further, say good morning to Nick Tamaris from the Miller Auto Team in Vestal, New York.
5: Hey, good morning, Bob Joseph. How are you?
4: Super. What's up in Vestal, New York?
5: Oh, uh, you know, same old, same old. It's <laughs> It's cold. <laughs>
4: and believe it or not it's february so what can you imagine if you woke up this morning on february third and the temperature was 66 like, how awesome would that be <laughs> i don't know if it'd be awesome or if if that would be cause for concern to be honest if i woke up this morning in binghamton and the temperature was 66 i think i'd be concerned because then i would know the weather machine is broken here with the temperature at about 10 degrees and a wind chill at minus 6 I say the weather machine at least for the moment seems to be working fine so for, I, w- for I, what it's sorry. worth
5: I, once we get th- here's the good thing once we get through February you got what 4 weeks spring they say is in, what 6 weeks yep. uh, so we're good we're, we're, coming, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel so
4: a- absolutely. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. spring is just days away as I pointed yeah, yeah. out I, uh, early this morning I pointed out to someone I said you know Think about this. Spring starts next month. Yeah, and I was greeted and with a smile.
5: And it's staying later till what five five thirty or so. We saw daylight, so yes, it's getting later. I was uh, by the minute every day. I was I
4: leaving like the uh, I was leaving the broadcast tower around five thirty Thursday afternoon, and I thought this is actually nice because I was I was mm-hmm. on. Uh, I won't tell you the highway. It's just a local expressway that they eventually will upgrade to interstate status if they can ever find enough money. But I, I was on the, the highway looking west, and say at about 5.32 Thursday afternoon, it actually looked beautiful. It was it was almost surreal.
5: Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I like going out for car rides, and I was out the exact same time driving. I thought the same thing. And we have a guy here, Pat Sabowski, great salesperson, makes fun of me because I like going out for car rides. But, yeah, it was really nice out yesterday. The sun was out. The sunset was beautiful. And, yeah, I I liked it. I enjoyed it.
4: So what uh, can people expect? I mean, I know at any given time there must be uh, a bunch of people in our WNBF audience who are really in the mood for a vehicle. In many cases, it could be a new vehicle or maybe it's a previously owned vehicle. But what should people know if they're looking to get uh, something reliable because, Indeed, we will have uh, probably at least another month or maybe even two months of winter-like weather, so you want something dependable. What should people know?
5: I I was thinking the same thing coming into work this morning. How nice it is to be in a new or newer car, Honda, Hyundai, or used cars. My gosh, you can even scoop up a used vehicle that's certified up to a 100,000-mile warranty. And when you get in these cars in the morning, they start. They don't make groaning noises. The tires are fresh. they got great traction. Most importantly, the heaters work. The windshield wipers are working. And there's nothing like a newer used car or a new Honda or Hyundai. And even if you stop in today, we have a showroom full of cars. we got the hot chocolate ready. we got the popcorn. It's warm in here. And we can show you all the new models. My gosh, Honda's got – 23 is a great year for, for Honda. You have the all-new Civic that came out, absolutely beautiful car. You have the all-new Honda Accord which is absolutely spectacular. And we even have the new CRV and the new Pilot, those that want the all-wheel drive vehicles. So there's a lot to see here, and and definitely stop in and take a look around. There's a lot of cars, and and how nice it is to be in a nice (laughs) new car that starts and runs and warm. Oh,
4: without warning lights. Oh, the warning lights. What happens, and again, this is to be expected when we have a sudden uh, temperature dip. You get this light, and it says... Warning, low tire pressure. I'm going, of course, of course. The temperature has just dropped to about 20 degrees uh, colder than it was earlier this week. So, of course, tire pressure needs to be checked. But uh, let's face it, when you have a, a nice new vehicle, and it, as you say, you turn the key, it goes... Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
5: my my uncle George, George <laughs> Stammer, bought a new car from years ago. And every time I saw him, he goes, how nice it was, he called it the Christmas tree in his car. All the lights would come on, and he goes, how nice it was. Just get in the car, start it, no Christmas trees on there, and get to going where he was. So yep. it is quite a nice feeling. <laughs>
4: no surprises. That's, I was thinking uh, last night about life, and let's face it, life is nothing but a series of surprises. And to be honest with you, I, I enjoy good surprises, but the thing that really, really frost my flakes is a bad surprise especially a car that uh, on a morning like this seems to be hesitant you know in your heart you know ultimately it's going to start but it, it loves to play games it's like a car that's trying to taunt you
5: right <laughs> it's like
4: i don't have time for games my friend I, and i love my car Oh, I love my car. But but still, you know, I, I think my car sometimes just does it to figuratively stick out her tongue at me and say, Hey, ultimately, I'm in charge. And ultimately, if you want to be on the radio today, you be nice to me. Right <laughs> <You know what? laughs> and so I was. I, I said sweet nothings into her ear, and she said, There you go. There you go. They definitely take on a personality. <laughs> they sure do. Anyway, uh, Miller Motors on the Parkway right across from Binghamton University is the place. Uh, operations will be uh, continuing today, I believe, till 6 p.m., and then tomorrow from 9 to 4.
5: That is right, yeah. So today is Friday. Great day. We're going to be here till 6 o'clock. Saturday, always a super busy day. We're going to be here till 4 o'clock. Sunday, we're closed. So if you still want to come out, take a look what's out there. Then Monday, come and scoop up the cars. Monday, we're going to be here until 9 o'clock, till 7 o'clock on Monday.
4: Nick Tamaris at Miller Motors. Miller Motors. On the Parkway and Vestal, I hope you have uh, a great day today. And also, be sure to enjoy your weekend.
5: And Bob, and you too, and we appreciate it and thank you.
4: And that is the story from the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway and Vestal. Nine eighteen. this is Bob Joseph at your service. As always, if... You have something you need to say. This is about the only place you're going to be able to say it. Nobody else, think about it. Nobody else is going to give you a chance today to say what's on your mind. So this is it. This is the one opportunity. And if you don't take advantage of it today, well, then you're going to have to wait till Monday, and by then you'll have forgotten. So do it. Do it! And do it now, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF. You want- all the hits, all the time at the big end, and we go to John in Binghamton, get things underway. Hi there.
6: I, I take a wild guess, and uh, that might might have been recorded at Gold Star Recording Studios. Really? That's my yeah. That's my guess.
4: I don't know. It um, this particular item claims to have been released on a label called Canadian American Records? Huh. Isn't that interesting? But it claims to have uh, offices in both Winnipeg and New York. So who knows for sure? So isn't that a you know, talk about going to the back of the rack?
6: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs>
4: <It's>, uh, <laughs> well, anyway, that's uh, not why you called.
6: Well, why I called is <laughs> I have no idea. There's there's solutions. Uh, that are, are, are circulating in my brain, and I, I don't know where I'll end up. That's the beauty of it. I guess that's the beauty of talk radio, the way it used to be, isn't it, Bob?
4: It is. Before
7: it
6: was all scripted out and formatted out. And,
4: oh, before and before they sucked the, the originality, the enthusiasm, and the, the creativity. You know, at one time, when I was growing up, back in the day when talk radio was was really you know starting to get its its legs on on AM stations with local programs and uh, the legendary bob Grant and even the uh, the people here in binghamton the um, the john leslies tom hannons bob huckabones that's when radio really was in its its prime before they sucked out every last ounce of energy
6: yeah yeah the uh the, the people that were on the radio you know, they, they weren't afraid uh, you know, actually, you know, you got your bona fides by getting fired in, in radio, you know, moving from one station to another.
4: Absolutely. Uh, there were a lot of people who, you know, they, yeah, they, they would get fired in a, a market like Binghamton before you know it. They're in Rochester and then in Philadelphia or New York or L.A. or Chicago and, um Let's face it, you you could come up with a list of uh, a fair number of people from who, who at least uh, spent a little bit of time in the Binghamton market and then hopscotched across the country to make a big name for themselves.
6: Well, the, the classic one that I like was uh, Binghamton, Ed Heider, uh, who uh, was in uh, Boston and uh, WINS in New York and was out in KYA in San Francisco, I believe. The... Uh, general manager during the program pulled his headphones out that's how he was on
3: ceremony <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's uh, they, they don't do that anymore now they just uh, deactivate your key fob and pull the plug on your email
3: yeah
6: so uh, uh, what what uh, Binghamton seems to be headed for uh, the abyss here uh, I mean when the the vestal uh, Broome county uh and nobody is reacting uh to uh the tremendous implosion uh of, of a binghamton university uh based economy uh that's moved i mean nobody is holding anybody accountable uh you know all there is is these uh, rental properties uh that are you know i mean almost completely subsidized. Uh, By the taxpayer, there doesn't seem to be any sign of life in in the private economy. Uh, Medium sized and small sized businesses are uh, are uh, going by the wayside, and you know this this great idea, and you know let's you know we let's have another failed industrial park. I mean, they've had several. Uh, you know Charles Street being one of them so I, I, I oh yeah I
4: don't, and don't get me going on on the Charles Street thing you know that that whole Charles Street fiasco and nobody nobody you know at the city level or the county level or state level has ever come forward and said, you know let's acknowledge the truth about Charles Street and it doesn't have to be long but wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice for a change if somebody just did something for, you know, for kicks and said, Charles Street was the ultimate debacle? And just say it. It's okay. You know, no harm, no
1: foul.
6: Well, I've proposed and I have received uh, word that uh, uh, Councilman uh, Giovanni Scaringi uh, will be putting it through. I've proposed what I call the Truth in Economic Development Announcement act and uh essentially it would because a lot of these uh ill-fated projects end up in official uh statements whether they be the uh the state of the city or some of them end up in the city's debt prospectuses as as a uh, uh, feta accomplies when when they they never never happen and uh, you know uh, so what i've suggested is that the uh, contracts, signed contracts be presented at the time of the announcement, uh, the funding on where it's coming from, whether it's secured, uh, if they're LLCs, who the principals of the LLCs are and and various other things. And then, uh, I, I requested that the county clerk maintain a list of these projects and, uh, Uh, Of course, this uh, act of mine proposed legislation would include the uh, completion date and the completion uh, bond, if any. So we could keep track of these things uh, very easily. And uh, because we saw... Uh the last mayor who was running for assembly, I mean he went on a tear with all these uh announcements uh, uh most of which in the last uh, twenty four months uh haven't haven't come true so I mean you know i mean uh, uh, this is either a bullcrap city i mean we can discuss whether newman development uh, uh their their contributions, but one thing they seem to do is when they announce something. It seems to happen, Uh, whereas all these other developers coming in from Long Island turnip trucks, wherever they are, uh, how about uh, this uh, depot loft? Whatever happened to that? Uh, You know, you stare across the tracks, it looks terrible.
4: It's embarrassing, and I, I would like to start a series called The Shame of the City. Except I've checked with uh, the people who run our website. We don't have enough bandwidth to cover a series called "The Shame of the City" because there would be so many installments. Thank you, John. Appreciate your call. Nine twenty-nine, Beverly, in the town of Dickinson. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Bob. How
4: you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Oh, that's
3: good. Yeah, I, I, um, the more that I read about uh about the. About that project that they're doing, uh, for the Walkbridge and stuff that, uh, I, I don't know whether if the, uh, Mike Ma- Maronacho would know anything on it. I, I don't, I don't see him around anymore. I don't know whether he's still there or he retired.
4: Yeah, I was uh, just over near his office uh, less than an hour ago, and to be honest with you, I uh, I didn't see him. I mean, but I didn't stop to, to look in. I, I waved, though. I'm going... Hi, people at the town of Dickinson. Oh, by the way, and I also saw a Broome County Sheriff's deputy, a highway patrol. I introduced myself. I always think that it's better to introduce myself in those circumstances than, say, if I'm out covering a breaking news story where it's, you know, sometimes it's not appropriate to introduce yourself if they're busy with other things. So I, I stopped by and said hello to them. We chatted about the weather. And I, I promised him. I said, "Don't worry. Get through this weekend, and then we can look forward to um, warmer weather uh, starting Monday. Actually, Sunday it's going to be 42." And he said,
3: "Yeah, yeah, I can't believe." He said, uh,
4: "It's going to be fantastic."
3: Yeah, hmm. well, I hope so. I hope. Yeah, cause... I hope so. They they they're putting up a bid. In September. Yeah.
4: Well, you know, it's. uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's. um,
3: I don't know. It's sad because
4: it's outside. It's outside of anyone's control. I I was told uh, specifically nothing. Nothing can be done.
3: Yeah. Well, they got 19 people that that are working on that project. I counted them on the back of the paper. Of my letter, 19 of them. Really? 19 people.
4: Well. Well.
3: Now, now you tell me that, that they can't come out and say, look, the, re- the real reason is the, the bridge is deteriorating. And we worry, ab- we worry about the residents crossing it. Again, you know, but they don't. They just, it seemed to me that guy was nice, but it seemed that he was running, running, running around in a circle. Uh, he said, oh, he is the, the job manager. I said, well, what happened to the, to the rest of them? Oh, he says, oh, they're still in their department.
4: Well, I for one, you
3: know, Bob, it's not fair. It's not. It's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, they built this. They built this. The Gateway Walk Walk path. Sure, it's next to the. It's next to the highway. It's next to the road. Okay, if they take those barriers down, we're in trouble.
4: Well, ultimately, they're in charge. So that's all I can say. But anyway, uh, stay tuned. We'll we'll provide uh, fantastic coverage of, um, of all these stories and more, okay?
3: Okay, buddy.
4: All right, have a great weekend. You too. 933, this is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. There's only one station big enough for this program. Unfortunately, the Hawk is playing music, so I'm on NBF. Until further notice, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and, of course, streaming at WNBF.com. Oh, cool. Joseph on uh, Friday morning, and uh, speaking of the law, uh, an attorney has uh, entered the studio. Not only an attorney, but a former mayor of Binghamton. Welcome.
8: Hi, Bob. Back up, or you're going to get sprayed.
4: You know, I uh, I've thought about that. I, you know, and that that's not a small canister. That was heavy duty. It's like, man, that's uh, I, I wouldn't use that. That's almost like uh, what you would use out in the Adirondacks to protect yourself from uh, bears. bears.
8: Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's January sixth bear spray. <laughs> Sheesh.
4: Oh, no, I'm I'm just yeah. kidding. I, I, it wasn't
8: that, but well, yeah. but it was terrible. It was terrible.
4: You know, I mean, who who wants a snoot full of pepper?
8: Yeah, and, and if you uh, you know if you're gonna um, you know say that people are resisting, I, I guess probably. Um, there was probably a lot of people who were resisting putting their hands behind their back after they had got sprayed in the face with mace because mm-hmm. your instincts are to, you know, try to protect your face after that happens to you.
4: Anyway, So, uh, for people who haven't been paying attention over the last uh, 24 to 36 hours, uh, former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan was among those uh, rounded up at the Wegman store in Johnson City on Wednesday evening. So... And we don't have lots of time. The thing that you and I have discovered over the years, time on the radio goes by quickly. So let's first give people just a quick, condensed version of uh, what occurred, what transpired Wednesday night at Wegmans on Harry L. Drive.
8: Okay. I, I was called, because I'm a lawyer, to be an illegal observer. I did some shopping there, which they say I lied about. Well, we'll, well, we'll see how that all shakes out. But anyway... Um, Basically, I went there and I stood off to the side. I actually stood by another reporter from WSKG, and he saw me standing by the side. And then
4: Von Golden Von from Golden. WSKG.
8: And then, um, um, eventually, I kind of moved around the perimeter. I did get one one part of their story that the JC police said I did uh, have a little argument with a woman who was calling the. Demonstrators, animals, and but by the if they play that whole tape by the end of that uh, conversation, we well, there was a few obscenities tossed back and forth between each other because she was. I, I said, "This is you shouldn't be calling them. You don't know. Do you know what they're here for?" And by the time that conversation was over, she actually apologized to me and said, "You know what? I understand why they're here now." And so that was my. You know, I was nowhere near the demonstration. Uh, The actual, I was quite a few feet away from where the protesters were, just observing. And uh, eventually, I was actually even further out in the parking lot because it was kind of winding down. And and this officer, uh, I think he probably knew who I was. He uh, came over and said, You have to leave right now. And I said, I'm here observing. I'm not any part of the uh, demonstration. There's a lot of other people milling around. Uh, Why are you focusing on me? And basically, You know, I just want to be able to observe what's happening. And uh, he said, so you're not leaving? I said, I don't think I should have to. And that's when he arrested me. And what were the charges? The charges, uh, which ironically they said in the, I guess, this this press release they put out yesterday, were not resisting arrest, although here I will show you this it's uh, this is what they gave to me and yes
4: Matthew T Ryan charges trespass 140 point oh five and resisting arrest 205 point three zero
8: and they said in the in their press release that that was a mistake um, and basically uh, that I what and then then they admitted I wasn't resisting arrest but they said oh we're going to charge him with with uh, probably charge them with obstructing governmental administration. We were mistaken. Well, I hope if they do that, um, I, and I'm calling on the DA now to look very closely at all these cases, because if they're threatening to get me for they've admitted I haven't didn't resist arrest, and they're going to say now oh, we're going to get them for obstructing governmental administration. Read the statute. Don't let them do something that's illegal because that's a crime in itself of uh, falsely accusing somebody a false arrest. And if they do that, um, you know, there will be consequences. I Obstructing government, the only way I could be guilty of obstructing government or administration under this kind of circumstance was if I got in between the police and somebody they were trying to arrest. And that clearly didn't happen. I was nowhere, anywhere where that could have ever happened. Uh, you know, and I don't already really focus on myself so much. But th- those are the facts surrounding my involvement. And you know, as far as I've heard a lot of people say, why were they at Wegmans?
4: Well, and that's one of the things that I, I've heard repeatedly, um, whether it was before the um, event Wednesday evening actually occurred or uh, since then. There's There's been that refrain and, and people have focused on the location rather on on the issues, the concerns that people in the Binghamton area and across the country have been expressing.
8: Well, I remember one time, uh, shortly after the Columbus Day parade demonstration, how many, is that two or three years ago now? Uh, anyway, I remember Councilman Joe Burns came on the program, and he says, you know what? My first inclination was, why are they disrupting the Columbus Day parade? It was a five-minute demonstration, no violence, and but you know what? They had been protesting up at the jail about the conditions at the jail. And I remember uh, Councilman Burton saying, I never knew about that problem at the jail until the Columbus Day demonstration, a five-minute demonstration that didn't really uh, disrupt people's lives for very long, and but it got the message across. Because if you go up to the jail, nobody shows up uh You know, they have to submit their own pictures that they're having a demonstration. Uh, You know, it might be a little coverage, but they didn't get the kind of coverage that they got about uh, when. um, And quite frankly, it was one of the reasons I decided to put my hat in the ring for sheriff, even though I knew I wasn't going to win. I wanted to highlight some. Well,
4: you had said the the whole purpose of your candidacy is uh, uh, in sheriff in 2018. Right. I believe was was to focus on conditions at the jail. You right. knew that there was no chance in Hackensack that you're going to defeat David Harder, part, who's running. Part for, of
8: the problem was you never gave us a, a debate, but that's okay. I'm just well,
4: kidding. true. I'm you know guilty as charged. I, I, at least one thing I'll say: I may not be perfect, but I'm perfectly honest when it yeah, comes to you know what happens on the program. And may, allow me to say at this late date, I regret. That decision there you know I, I I should be doing more debates and and but you know you live and learn anyway so uh, but again, continuing and and that 's the interesting thing with most of the news coverage now because uh, the police put out this this may be the longest news release in the history of Johnson City Police Department, I believe it was about three pages and to uh, have a special section in there devoted to you, the former mayor of Binghamton, to have a special section devoted to the press reporter and attempting to uh, refute basically calling her her a liar, calling you a liar. in fact, I think they even used that language in the said, they, release. they
8: said Mr. Ryan was quoted on the news. Claiming that he was there shopping and that he was just an observer and was not participating. Video footage revealed that he is lying.
4: Yes, Mr. Ryan is lying in the history of news releases, and I've seen thousands... From police departments near and wide. I've right. never seen a news release, especially the initial news release after a process. Now, I can see if this ultimately goes through the courts, I could see where police officers or the district attorney or someone wants to make that assertion in a court of law. And it's certainly. Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but to uh, <laughs> say, Mr. Ryan is lying. He never intended, he never entered the store to shop. So. And then you know, I mean, the the release is available for for all to see, right? And, and they also
8: it, said I came there with the protesters. Um, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. I don't want yeah. to discuss that too much right. now, but um, but the the fact is, uh, and, and then they at least they admitted I wasn't resisting, which they did uh, give me an appearance. To
4: well, and film. I also can understand, given the reality. We'll call it the chaos or confusion of the time. I can understand with an officer working to process more than a dozen people with his colleagues to um, where that they could have erroneously been written on, uh, for your appearance right. ticket.
8: But, so. that, but that that is uh, you know, I've been involved in a number of protests in my life. Way back in uh, and back in 1969, one case I told you about, they in arrested 70 people for inciting a riot. Everybody got the same charge. In New York, That's what they did here. That's what they do and it's it should not be permitted. If they want if they want to arrest people, they better put down the right charges. So you
4: you have a history. Let's just be <laughs> we'll put it right out there. You are a person who has been I would say Uh, protesting for social justice causes whether it's uh, concerns about jail conditions or uh, concerns about uh, law enforcement or concerns about going back to the vietnam war when you were arrested about a block from here in front of the federal building i believe you told me that at the time a guy named joe lynch (laughs) (laughs) took you uh, from the you know you were uh, allegedly blocking the the, an entrance to the federal building on henry street here during a vietnam war protest and so joe lynch had to haul your excuse the expression butt into the paddy wagon so they could take you over to police headquarters for processing and then something like 35 or whatever years later you're mayor of binghamton and he's police chief i mean how (laughs) ironic was that
8: yeah, it was, uh, you know, the, some of the, sometimes those things happen. Well, you know, I, I never, I don't see myself as somebody who's uh, immoral or does any bad acts. They usually have a reason behind them. And, uh, you know, the peaceful protests. What, what I will say, as much as I don't agree with uh, the guy they call Masai or Roderick and some of his postings on his website, he was, a, he was one of the organizers of the Columbus Day thing, no violence. He said that night, we want 16 minutes to honor the uh, life of Tyree Nichols. And, uh, you know, and that's all we want. We're not here to do any violence. We're not here to—we won't be here long. Just give us our 16 minutes and so we can—so uh, people and the community will understand it's being covered by the press, why, why we're so upset about all the thing? for how many, how many years now do we see people getting beat by the police and, and some of them, many of them dying— that's what this is about and that's you know that's what this was about and I like I said I was not I didn't quite agree with the location but I, I said I'll be a legal observer and that's all I did and but at the end of the day you know people are, are, some people are saying you know it makes some sense to uh, if you it's in the it's in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. He had disrupted a lot of places, a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, restaurants when people went in and sat at lunch counters, and because they couldn't eat there. You know, it's a this is an important issue that if we don't get it under control, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, you're going to continue to see this tension in our society. We got to we got to make sure. That real police reform happens. That we find a different way to police. That we don't allow officers to kneel on people's necks in Binghamton, uh, and and uh, get away with it. Um, And people are not going to stand by anymore and let this happen because it's you know because of social media, because of uh, proliferation of phone videos. Uh, Look, if it wasn't for George Floyd, probably those officers would have never been charged if it wasn't for phone videos. We now have a culture where we can see what the police are doing, and I, I would submit that that night they they didn't that they had given 16 minutes once the store was they decided to close the store down. What would have mattered? They wouldn't have had to pull out their mace. They wouldn't have had to pull pull out anything. They they gave like one a one minute thing like you're not supposed to be here, and then if you don't leave, we're gonna you know we're gonna make you leave. Basically. But
4: to that point. Many will say, well, if you and everyone else simply complied when ordered to leave, and this goes, and I, personally, I think journalists should be allowed to cover something like this, but according to Johnson City Police, journalists were not allowed to cover this because right. it was on public property. And according to the statement from Johnson City Police, Wegmans wanted everyone, including journalists, out, which I. I don't know. I, I don't represent Wegmans. I just find it hard to believe that Wegmans wanted to in, in infringe on the news media's right to cover, even though, let's face it, I understand the people at Wegmans locally and at corporate don't want this happening on their property.
8: I understand that. Here's what I would say, though. Look back to the early parts of the civil rights movement and, and down south in Montgomery and, and the... And the uh, you know all the things they did at lunch counters and stuff. They knew what was going to happen to them. They knew they were going to get sprayed with fire hoses. They knew they were going to have dogs unleashed on them. What what people are trying to point out is th- this, the police po- proved their point that night. They had an overreaction. They had a hundred police officers there. Who paid for that? The taxpayers paid for that. Who you know? I went back to get my car afterwards, and there was still. Thirty or forty. Two hours later, police. Who was paying for that overtime? Uh, what, so that's
4: going to work up into thousands of dollars. I'd like to know and from. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I, I guess it would include all agencies, and they'll never they'll never provide a, an accurate amount of how much money was spent on this operation. Because uh, even though, in my estimation, even though the response may have seemed uh, spontaneous, I for. I I don't for a moment believe that that there wasn't advanced planning among local law enforcement because okay. this was announced well in advance that it was going to happen.
8: You don't have five agencies show up standing there before the demonstration even starts, uh, and and without planning. And obviously they had a plan to close down weapons.
4: Which, which by the way, from a law enforcement standpoint, I think is smart. I, you know, I'm not I'm not criticizing.
8: I law... think it's I think it's. Over policing and it's ridiculous. And, and what was what was uh, the chief of police of Binghamton doing there, w- exposing his officers after the criticism? The, what if it really went bad? What if they protesters were really violent?
4: Was Chief Joseph Sikuski at yeah. Wegmans? Yes. Who else? Uh, and, and see, I wasn't there. See, I I'm only getting my and, and information I just finish from that news that accounts. Thought. Like right.
8: his officers are already under a lot of scrutiny. And you're bringing your officers to not even your jurisdiction to maybe be involved in another melee where they could get, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen.
4: Were there other police chiefs there that you noticed? I didn't notice any other police chiefs. Um, But what I've wondered, and one of the things that I – I mean, I can't do anything about this because uh, on the police statement, they put this out uh, after 4 o'clock Thursday afternoon – and they put the admonition. Right. No follow-up questions or right. interview requests will be taken at this time. Now, ordinarily, that wouldn't stop me. And then I thought, hey, why bother? It's it's in black and white. They're not. You
8: might have been arrested if you asked the question. Well... I mean, you were there as a reporter. They told you you don't have any right to be there as a reporter.
4: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's just fortunate I wasn't there because you know me, and I I actually talked with people in law enforcement uh, Thursday afternoon, and they were surprised that I wasn't there. It Just so happened, they said, "I wonder where Bob was because they <laughs> no, they they know my penchant for for covering things and trying to get as close as possible."
8: You weren't uh, feeling you weren't feeling well. Right? No.
4: No, so it was fortunate I was not feeling well because that probably saved me from pepper spray or worse, again, doing my job. But, again, they you know, they, they would put in the news release, Bob Joseph was there on private property after Wegmans had, had basically told law enforcement to clear the place.
8: And so I would have been – who knows what could have happened. Exactly. And, and the thing – the point is this is – supposed to the i know what the protesters are thinking we have to keep this we can't just have moments and moments where horrible things happen people get killed for you know somebody selling cigarettes on the street supposedly somebody having a 20 bill george floyd that they thought might have been counterfeit or tyree nichols with a trumped-up charge of reckless driving and right by his home, which doesn't make much sense to me. And then we saw uh, like how they were make from the street camera. They were saying, "Give us your hands! Give us your hands!" They had his hands, and they were kicking and beating him to death. Basically, people are not going to accept that kind of policing anymore, and we shouldn't accept that policing. It's been a model that's been around forever, and uh, and 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 you know. It goes back to the... Imagine if you're uh, a person of color in this society and you think back to not only what happened to destroying uh, cities like Rosedale and Tulsa, good, prosperous communities, getting you know, all those kinds of things that have happened to them, the lynchings, the thousands upon thousands of lynchings that happened. It's all part of this same continuum. When are you doing court? Uh, I think on the 15th. Although, if I don't know if this is a, if I didn't really get arrested, then I well, guess I'm not doing court, well, right? Well, they told me I wasn't say, really arrested. Tuned.
4: Former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan. We'll keep in touch and see where this goes. Okay, thanks. Live and local, Bob Joseph always asking a few questions of uh, anyone who wishes to cooperate on WNBF. Good morning, live and local, I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. It's 10 o'clock.
2: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 3rd. You're listening to WNBF. Johnson City Police say more than a dozen people are expected to face charges following a protest outside the Wegmans store on Harriel Drive. The demonstration was held in response to the killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis and the violent arrest of a Binghamton man. According to a Johnson City Police Department news release, about 50 people participated in the protest on Wegmans' property. The release indicated Wegmans had called All the right, police here we go, because Emily. they did not want the event to on their property. For the-, the police department reported protesters ignored directives by store employees to leave the site. According to the news release, officers advised participants and reporters to leave and anyone not in compliance was guilty of trespass. These are the people who were arrested, according to the Johnson City Police Department, Angela Kennedy Richardson of Binghamton, Nicole Baisley of Endicott, Courtney Hollenbeck of Maine, New York, Sarah Faber of Binghamton, John Cook of Endicott, Masai Andrews of Endicott, Chanel Boyce of Binghamton, Therese Weathers of Binghamton, Robert Wilson of Binghamton, Matthew Ryan of Binghamton, Samuel Whalen of Binghamton, Marissa Robinson of Binghamton, Kareen Visvari of Binghamton, and Grace Weiderkrantz of Binghamton. Ryan is a former mayor of Binghamton. Police said a 17-year-old boy also was arrested. His name was not released. According to the news release, more charging information will be released as the incident is sorted out. Police added no follow-up questions or interview requests will be taken at this time. We will be releasing additional information in the coming days. Several see-through noise reduction panels have been taken down along a section of Route 201 flyover in Johnson City. The noise barriers were removed by crews last week over Boland Drive. According to the State Department of Transportation, loose concrete was observed during a routine inspection of the busy link between Vestal and Johnson City. At this point, it's not clear whether the spalling of the concrete bridge siding that's occurred will lead to significant repair work. A DOT statement indicates the agency is assessing the Route 201 bridge over the Susquehanna River. and it was closed while the noise barriers were taken down over a period of about three days. The panels were installed in December 2005 as the flyover project was being created. A woman who lives just east of the site told WMBF News on Thursday that she hadn't noticed any significant difference since the noise barriers were removed. She said the noise from the vehicles using Route 201 doesn't seem to disrupt my sleep. It was the winter of 2010 and excitement buzzed all around Binghamton as a film crew rolled into town and rumors began to swirl that perhaps a music video was being filmed in Broome County and for a major name artist. Broome County residents didn't have to wait long for the answers they were looking for. A music video was, in fact, being filmed in Broome County for none other than megastar Taylor Swift and for her song Back to December. While Swift herself wasn't in town for any part of the filming, residents waited in anticipation for the music video to be released so they could look for local landmarks and perhaps catch a glimpse of someone they knew in the background. When the video was released, we spotted outdoor footage of MacArthur Park, a field on Underwood and Castleman in Vessel, Juneberry Bridge, a house on the corner of Juneberry by the bridge, a field by the park on Juneberry next to the creek, and, of course, the castle house that sits on Route 26 in Vestal near Foster and Main. Now a piece of that music video is being torn, and a new business is moving in. The castle house, featured in Back to December, is located on Route 26 in Vestal, and a local couple says they'll be tearing it down Funky Bees plans to open a hot dog and ice cream shop at the property by late spring. However, the castle house has got to come down. According to Funky Bees, there is simply no way to save the structure. Structural engineers and inspectors both agree that the foundation is unsafe, the beams are rotting, and the building is beyond repair. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, comprised of detectives and officers from the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Binghamton Police Department, Johnson City Police Department, and Endicott Police Department, announced two major cases overnight in the village of Endicott and in the town of Shenango, recovering tens of thousands of dollars in narcotics and illegal weapons. On Wednesday, February 1st, the task force executed a search at 127 Washington Avenue, apartment two in the village of Endicott, seizing a variety of evidence, including fentanyl and firearms. On Thursday morning, February 2nd, the task force conducted a drug interdiction stop on a vehicle on Interstate 81 northbound at Exit 7 in the town of Shenango. The task force was assisted by the Broome County Sheriff's Office patrol units, the U.S. Office of Homeland Security Investigations, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection Air and Marine operations. During the stop, a narcotic dog was utilized and alerted to the presence of narcotics emanating from the vehicle. All arrested individuals were transported to the Central Arraignment Park Court at the Broom County Correctional Facility to await arraignment. Broom County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated, These two cases are the result of the hard work and dedication put in by our local men and women of law enforcement every day, paying off in a big way. Nearly $50,000 of fentanyl off the streets means countless overdoses prevented and lives saved. If you do the math, our team recovered roughly 570,600 fatal doses of fentanyl. A published report says federal authorities are investigating whether embattled New York Representative George Santos raised $3,000 for life-saving surgery for a disabled veteran dog and then kept the money for himself politico reported that two fbi agents contacted u.s navy veteran richard ostoff on wednesday on behalf of the u.s attorney's office in the eastern district of new york the local news site patch reported last month that santos set up a gofundme account to treat ostoff's dog but refused to turn over the funds a spokesperson for the u.s attorney's office said he could not comment a message seeking comment was left with santos's attorney A newly released audio recording offers a behind-the-scenes look at how former President Donald Trump's campaign team in a pivotal battleground state knew that they had been outflanked by Democrats in the 2020 presidential election. But even as they acknowledged defeat, they pivoted to allegations of widespread fraud that were ultimately debunked repeatedly by election officials and the courts. The audio from November 5th, 2020, two days after the election, is surfacing as Trump again seeks the White House while continuing to lie about the legitimacy of the outcome and Democrat Joe Biden's win. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers, patchy blowing snow afternoon, mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 15, wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, a 40% chance of snow. Tonight, chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m. Patchy blowing snow before midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low near 2 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 20. Blustery with wind gusts as high as 36 miles per hour. A 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 20. Wind chill as low as negative 17. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy. A low near 19. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 42. Sunday night, cloudy. A low near 32 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF. WMBF.com and 92.1 FM.
4: go again Friday morning with Bob Joseph. As I reported Thursday, I saw my shadow, which means six more months of the program. Sorry kids, you lost your bet. Better luck. I think we do another one of those on August 2nd to see if I Got another six months. I think that's how we operate here at WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Anyway, uh, pleased to be here in a moment. We're going to talk with another mayor. Another mayor. But not a former mayor. By the way, uh, this is a current mayor. That's true. Mike Barada from Village of Owega. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you. Nice to be here. you see... uh, Happened to see Matt Ryan, who was here before, the former Binghamton mayor?
1: I did. He was getting ready to go out in the cold.
4: <laughs> I think he's heading over to Wegmans. <laughs> did you see this? Over, oh, at, I saw something about that. Well, yeah. it's on the, the front page. See, I wasn't there Wednesday night. Norm- normally, I do all my shopping there at Wegmans at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, but this... This week I had to change my schedule, so... Well, looks like you missed some action. I missed all the... I was talking to some police officer, or not police officers, because they're not allowed to speak with me. I was talking to some people in law enforcement yesterday, and they, they said, Bob, we were looking for your coverage, because they, they figured with something like that, of course, I would be reporting on it. And I said, unfortunately, I was unable due to operational... Requirements. I was unable to be there on Wednesday night, and and they expressed disappointment. They said, you know, we thought your coverage would be um, something to look forward to. I said, well, you missed it this time. Well, I guess they like you at least. They do? <laughs> well, up to a point. Right. You know. Well, and by the way, you know, just parenthetically, what's not to like? That's true. You know, a friend to all. That's right. To all, I mean literally. Anyway, coming up, we'll talk about uh, what's going on in uh, America's coolest small town, the village of Owego. So, uh, Mr. Barada, thank you for joining us. We'll talk about things going on at the moment and some things that people will be very interested in coming up in the next several months in the village of Owego. and that's live and local right here on News Radio WNBF ninety two one FM. Twelve ninety AM and streaming at At WNBF.com. News Radio Twelve
6: Ninety WNBF
4: Ten Nineteen Bob Joseph Live, WNBF and WNBF.com on a Friday morning. And as previously announced in the studio is the mayor of Owego, Mike Barada. Welcome back. Welcome. So it turns out there is a lot going on in the village of Owego right now. And it it occurred to me a few weeks ago, uh, we probably would do well to have you back on the program to talk about um, what's going on say over the last couple of years and as they say last two or three years were interesting weren't they mayor that's right for sure (laughs) and and hopefully the next two or three years will be more interesting and and hopefully more can be accomplished going forward as we look look ahead for the village Um, give people sort of a state of the village a lot of times at, at the early stage of the year january and february we hear things state of the union state of the state state of the county well Give me, uh, just in sort of um, a a short, condensed version, state of the village of Owego right now. Yeah, no, I mean, everything's going
1: uh, pretty well, I think, anyway. Um, we got a lot of projects coming up for construction this spring and summer Uh, from a village standpoint. uh, Lots going on downtown with private uh, investors, and uh, I'm sure you've seen... All the news about Fuddy Duddies and grants. well, I
4: have. In fact, we broke. I think we probably broke the original story last summer. Yeah, with um, with the crudies talking about their their vision for uh, the property that had been owned by Adam Weitzman. Yep, and, um, and and then of course a few weeks ago with an update because with the some critical state funding yep. to help get the the renovation underway. That's certainly, it's a, it's a very impressive and, and ambitious project. Yeah,
1: and uh, New York State let us know a couple of weeks ago that they're planning on repaving pretty much all the state roads in the village, so Front Street and North Ave.
4: Starting when? Uh, this summer, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> spring. Yeah, one thing that's interesting to me, and I know we touched on this uh, previously, uh, for people who don't know, the village of Owego for uh you know being such a cool small town only actually owns one traffic signal that is very true (laughs) and and we remember uh that that uh, stellar period of time where that one traffic signal was balky and you were waiting uh a part or parts to get it uh get it back in in shape by my I keep a close eye on that traffic signal, knowing <laughs> knowing how valuable it is to the people of a Wego. Looks like it's operating pretty well lately.
1: Yeah, so we we ordered. Uh, so it was a control board that was kind of messed up in it.
4: So when when we got one, we got a couple just in case. <laughs> As they say, be prepared. That's right, be prepared. So um, one of the other things that. Uh, continues to always be uh, something of an issue not just for people who live and work in a but perhaps people who visit the village to shop or for other activities traffic continues to be a challenge and and to a large extent because of the high volume of truck traffic generated by weitzman's facility just outside the village where do things stand in terms of any sort of improvements or enhancements for traffic flow and we've we've touched on this in the past too that uh, a lot of the options there aren't a lot of good options when when you look at the the layout of the village especially with respect to route 17 or interstate 86.
1: Yeah I mean we've we've looked at a lot of options Uh, ultimately they're all state DOT roads Um, and we do get a, a ton of traffic just because we are you know, the gateway, not only for a lot of truck traffic, but up to Ithaca and, and that and way. Going
4: into the Finger Lakes region. Yeah. So, any any new breakthroughs? Has anybody come up with a, the, a flyover concept? I know, right? No, not really. we got the underpass, you know, instead of flying right. over. But that
1: has its own issues with sure. flooding and, and yep. whatnot. They have, uh, that's... Knock on wood, seems to have been better. Um, they replaced some pumps in there, so
4: it's less of an issue when it floods. But but, but still, it's always going to be a concern. It is an issue, yeah. Sure. So, as far as other projects, you touched on the fuddy duddies of vision, which obviously is, is going to take. I think they're expecting that it might be a year and a half or so once construction begins because you've got multiple buildings and then ultimately uh, plans to do some things with the um, vacant property that's between the buildings and the uh, bridge, which sounds uh, very promising. What are some of the other things that people can uh, anticipate going forward in the village of Owego over the next year or two?
1: yeah so coming up this spring uh, from a village standpoint we will be repaving all the village owned parking lots um, we're trying to we're working with New York State and a grant program to try and get uh, I think three uh, level two charging stations put in the, the lot across from the courthouse between CVS and the funeral home there um, we've got a bunch of improvements coming to uh, Marvin Park. Uh, new playground equipment, some new surface there, complete new bathroom uh, facility, and a complete new skate park. Actually,
4: um, really, yeah. Well that that sounds like it'll be uh, uh, useful to a, a lot of people in the village and for people from surrounding communities. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be
1: neat. So it's all. Supposed to break ground this spring. <laughs> All right, bids are going out uh, the end of this month. So,
4: so looking back over the last few years, what have been some of the biggest challenges with respect to the implementation of of the projects that were discussed in the downtown revitalization initiative? Because it's one thing, the process. It's a, a very complex and cumbersome process just to go through the application. And then ultimately see whether you're going to be one of the lucky few winners that were chosen, and go was chosen. But then that's when when things start to get interesting because if the state awards ten million dollars, there are certain expectations that go with that.
1: Yeah, so it's it's definitely a process, um, right from the application all the way through till construction. Um, it's been a number of years. Um, it was a year just in planning from when we got awarded the ten million dollar grant um, to plan what projects were going to be included in it and uh, how that was all going to work. And I mean, you had to hire consultants and there's just so much paperwork that it's crazy. Um,
4: do sometime do village residents sometimes wonder what's taking thing, what why it's taking so long? Oh, do, do you ever hear from? <laughs> From uh, just uh, constituents around Orego, and say, "Gee, we we read all all those great things in the Penny Saver, and we heard all those great things when you were on WNBF radio, but where are they now?" Oh yeah, no, it's a, like I said, it's a long process.
1: So you got to kind of keep reminding people that stuff's still going on behind the scenes because it it is every day.
4: Oh. So looking forward, aside from. Uh, continuing to see progress with projects associated with the downtown revitalization initiative what are some of the other issues that you as mayor and and certainly the village board will be facing during 2023 um, oh well hopefully not too many but <laughs> well what about the police department i haven't yeah. heard any controversies with respect to the oigo police department in a while isn't isn't it about time for something to <laughs> I hope not. They've
1: they've been going pretty good. Um, we have been lucky enough to get some cops grants, which is community oriented policing services. So
4: it, it provides some funding for yes. for municipalities to to pay for police positions and and I don't make light of of the challenges that small communities face in maintaining a, a police department it's tough enough say for the the communities here in the triple cities with uh larger populations and a bigger ta- bigger tax bases to support the um, emergency services including law enforcement and fire but again yes. for smaller communities and and certainly it, it's it's just uh, a given that over the last few decades in go every so often serious issues and questions come up about the ability of the village to continue to have its own police department yeah that's that's always the balance
1: or issues there is you know uh, protection versus budget and taxes really Um, and emergency services are something that you need and are not easy to cut out um, especially um, services like the police and the fire department and
4: ems well, and that's that's the thing. These are essential services that people in any community need, whether it's a small village or a major metropolis, and it's not cheap. I, I yep. mean, uh, WEGO continues to be served through a volunteer fire department, yep. but still there are essential expenses that... That will never stop as far as maintaining equipment, replacing equipment on a regular basis, and, and even making sure that facilities are, are adequate, or at least hopefully even better than, than adequate. And speaking of that, with the fire department, are, are there any, any uh, new initiatives that are being contemplated in terms of um, either enhancing equipment or facilities for the people who provide the village's fire protection? Yeah, so uh, one of our DRI projects, which I didn't mention
1: yet, is uh, Central Fire Station. So with the, the help of the state, we're able to put a brand-new uh, clock tower on. So they're going to completely rebuild the clock tower and a brand-new roof because our, our fire station has a lot of leak issues, anybody who's been following along. Yeah. Um, so hoping to, hoping to clear those up. Um, we just want to say last year took delivery of a new fire truck. So we retired one of our older fire trucks and took a delivery of a new fire truck. So
4: Fire equipment's not cheap. Do you recall how much the new piece of equipment cost? Right, about 500000 That's so the thing, a half million cheap. dollars. The only thing that uh, as, as uh, apparatus, as, as units are replaced, the, the good thing is... Supposed to have a a fairly decent, useful life. I I would assume that there's a a hope that that would last for fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, the one we
1: replaced was about twenty years old. So,
4: and you need equipment to be able to get to fires. Yeah, that's kind of thing in the village. I mean, it's not it's not a question of would you like it. It's a question of yes, you need it. That's the kind of thing we need.
1: And like you mentioned, we're all um, fire department wise. We're all volunteer. And, you know, we definitely like to thank our volunteers and encourage any new volunteers. That's kind of a, I don't want to say a dying trait, but it's hard to get volunteers.
4: Not just here in the southern tier, across the country. Yeah. And you see volunteer organizations of all types, but especially emergency services, fire departments, ambulance squads, yep. they they continue to look for new blood younger people who have some enthusiasm because some of the squads are of course they're dominated by people who've been doing this because of their love and concern for their community and because they want to help their friends and neighbors but in many cases they've been doing this for decades yeah Yeah. i mean on that same note our emergency squad is
1: 99 percent volunteer Um, we have a couple of paid employees that help us out during the day, which we're thankful for, because obviously it's hard for volunteers to get out and run the number of calls they run. Uh, you know, when most people are at work,
4: uh. is the current model sustainable? I know I had I touched on this topic um, just yesterday. Uh, around this time about 24 hours ago when we were talking with broome county executive jason garner because there's essentially an ambulance crisis here in broome county because the demand for ambulances always seems to be going up and the the number of people to um, to staff especially services that tend to be primarily volunteer but even some that are hybrids with a combination of paid and volunteer services at least here in broome county sometimes they're are are ambulances that are needed but uh a rig just isn't available sometimes the the uh closest available ambulance might be 10 or 15 miles away and that's not a good thing when somebody needs immediate help that's scary to think about and i mean that is an issue
1: not just in broome county but all over Uh, i know it's an issue in talbot county and there's talks going on of how do we fix that as a you know county um it doesn't make sense to do it at a county level or keep it local. Um, in the village of go specifically, we're, we're pretty lucky that we have our volunteers. And um, we've been pretty good uh, fiscally because, again, an ambulance service is something that costs a lot of money to run. Um, we're looking at, uh, they call it re two ambulances right now. But what it is is they take the back end, you know, where the patient goes, off and they salvage it and, you know, remodel it into newer. Then they slide a new truck underneath and put your back end back on. And even that is a couple hundred
4: thousand dollars in ambulance. Sure. I mean, you can get some cost savings, but it's still not going to be cheap. It's 1034. We're talking about the village of Owego with Mayor Mike Barada. Well, some new apartments will be opening in the village, so I guess yeah. I guess within the next few weeks there more be more village people living at a place called Wego Square Townhomes off Route 434. So, have you looked at the place lately? Yeah, I was up there
1: a couple of weeks ago because they were there were some talks about the road that goes up into there. So we went up there and looked at it
4: i mean ultimately that it might become a, a village maintained road i know at this point that's not the case but i i also understand that there is some discussion yeah it's ultimately in, about at some point that the village may may ultimately become responsible down the road for maintenance of of that road that leads to the those um townhouse buildings and there are several buildings, and this is going to be a 93-unit apartment complex. It's, uh, yep. it's it's quite significant. For people not familiar, it's located uh, just essentially behind, a little bit southwest of the existing Owego Gardens apartments that have been open for a few years. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, it'll be good. We definitely need, probably four years ago, there was a housing study done uh, in Tauga County. So, I mean, there is a shown need. For housing, uh, single and you know, family housing, uh, within Tavares County specifically, Owego um, and some other places in Tower County. So,
4: do you have a sense of when the new um, apartment project is is going to open? I I haven't been able to get a. Uh, direct answer from the people who are running this place, house or home leasing of Rochester. For some reason, it seems to be some kind of big secret. <laughs> Nobody's authorized to talk about their apartment complex. Which I know. I, I, I find it intriguing. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like we can we can talk about everything else, including confidential documents, but the new you know, <laughs> Wego apartment complex is is some sort of a state secret. Do you have a sense of when first residents could move in? I know they've been working uh, with our code enforcement
1: to get their certificate of occupancies. So I'm thinking it's going to be soon. Um, they're talking to us right now about. Obviously, the road and uh, the fire hydrants that are along the road, and, and the the lights that are along the road. Right. So,
4: how are things going with the water? They they build a a water tank back there yeah. to to serve the the people at the new complex. Mm. Does the water apparently uh, is that are the systems working okay? From what you've heard,
1: I heard it's working okay. Um, no issues. So they, we did. Uh, the water is owned in the village of Wego by a private company. Uh, Viola is their name now. Um, By the way, that's one of the biggest companies on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so they expanded the water system yeah. over there. It's also it's in it's a bigger system that needs to be just for the housing complex because it also is going to help relieve some of the issues they've been having over in the uh, Halstead development, which is. Nearby. Right there, yeah. yeah it's I'm actually close good. by. Go through the field. It's right there.
4: Right. Do you anticipate any additional potential residential development right in that area or perhaps some other development in in terms of, of commercial or business development? I know the Tioga County Industrial Development Agency has been considering future options and future development in that part of the village of Owego and also nearby because the the village line is very very close there so in the town of a do you think there will be uh, p- potential for any new projects over the next few years i mean
1: there's definitely a potential uh, part of that area is a wetland so it's kind of sticky but uh right but yeah i think there's definitely a potential especially maybe within the town if you look at the way the the land goes but
4: Expecting to build any parking ramps in Owego anytime soon? <laughs> not anytime soon. All right. We of course, are. the way things are going here in Binghamton, even though you don't plan to build a parking ramp anytime soon, you still may wind up having yours done before the one here near <laughs> Boscos gets done. That's right. You know. But the good news about that is, you know, it's, they're not going to surprise us with any. That's true. There's no no likelihood that the parking garage is just going to sneak up on us one day and it's going to be open. This is, this is that's what I like about Binghamton. Everything is very slow and very deliberate. <laughs> well, that's any government, I think. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, I, I I have observed over we'll just say over the years I've observed a lot of projects that. At some point, various points along the way, I thought they would never happen. And then somehow, mysteriously, after a couple of decades, voila, look, there's a baseball stadium on Henry Street. Or voila, a library on Court Street. Who would have guessed? After 25 or 30 years of deliberation, finally it happens. So I I fully expect to still be reporting when the new parking garage opens in Binghamton. Hopefully, yeah.
1: Yeah, no no parking garages planned. Uh, like I said, we are doing all of our parking lots, and that includes uh, some better layouts to hopefully utilize them
4: better. What about future housing projects more within the heart of the village? I know there are potential sites, and there have been discussions yeah. of, of potential development. Do you see anything moving forward in the next year or so? Um, possibly. So we have a, a pretty good site
1: over on uh temple and liberty street which was kind of a big issue or news uh thing last year and they (laughs) the project that was coming there then isn't coming there now but there's some talks of maybe some different stuff so
4: what about dealing with uh, the issue of blight because although the village has some very beautiful uh buildings residential and commercial buildings there are also uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of buildings that have seen their better days, and the reality is there's probably not much hope that they can ever be salvaged. At At what point do you think the village can make more progress in dealing with those blighted areas on, on several streets that, let's face it, not only don't they look good, but uh, they, they also pose a potential public safety risk? Yeah, so
1: we've been happy... Uh Recently, in the last couple of years, uh, we have a land bank in Tauga County, such as <coughs> the one in Broom County here. Um, so we've been happy to work with them. And, for example, this spring, there's uh, two properties that are coming down that have been, I mean, neglected since the flood, really. So, And then there's another property, uh, as you come into it, we go right around the bend, um, that's being re- has been bid out and is being restored. So.
4: Yeah, and it's always nice to see in some of those projects, restoration projects that actually can can happen. Sometimes yeah. shocking too, yeah. that because I mean here in Broome County I'm still astonished to see what's been done with the old Endicott Johnson Victory Factory and yeah. here we are probably um, less than a month away from the first people being able to move into a place that as recently as five or six years ago the expectation was it would be torn down because there was no way it could ever be salvaged
1: yeah obviously the goal is to salvage as much as is possible or feasibly possible sometimes it's not worth it
4: any other issues we should be um, addressing about the village of oigo not that I know of. All right. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> didn't didn't want you to leave. or sure say, somebody knows something. Well, I'm sure. Oh, I know. Strawberry Festival. Oh, yeah. May as well get this. I mean, this is going to be the big controversy of the year, right? I don't know. What's controversy about it? <laughs> I don't know. I just love, you know, uh, that, that's the way to get people listening. I know, like, right? wait a second. I thought everything was going to go full speed ahead on, uh, in June for Strawberry Festival, and now I have to listen closely, and I can't go <laughs> into my doctor's appointment because Bob is hinting at something involving this year's Strawberry Festival. Well,
1: I don't know of anything other than uh, it should be on as usual. I wouldn't, I
4: wouldn't of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I've heard, too. But, I, you know, again, I think that's... That's a, a, that's a pretty typical broadcast trick that you hear yeah. on radio and TV, yeah. and I wish they would stop that.
1: Yeah, so Strawberry Fest, just for a little background, is run by um, a group called Ho- Historical Wego Marketplace, which is an association of all the shops downtown. Um, so they kind of organize it and put it on, and we help them close the streets
4: and whatever they need. So. And by the way, people still, and I've seen it myself, people still pose next to that big strawberry. That's right. I, I plead guilty. <laughs> <laughs> me <too. laughs> like Two or three times a year. Oh, look, I'm next to the big strawberry in the middle of a snowstorm, which was yep. true about uh, six weeks ago. And I said, oh, look at me. I'm in front of the big strawberry, and I can only think about how nice it's going to be in June yep. for the strawberry festival. Yep, but it's usually
1: uh, Father's Day weekend. It's usually their their weekend. We're looking forward to it. And they've been doing some other uh, kind of neat events in Owego, you know, other than the strawberry fest like the uh, last year they did uh, porch fest kind of modeled after the one here in
4: binghamton so is there a, a plan as far as you know to try to do that again this year if you're i would assume so i haven't heard right. one way or the other all right well i didn't make it last year so this year if if it happens i'll put that on my on my agenda yeah it was fun we Go Mayor Michael Barada, thank you so much for being with us on WNBF. Thanks for inviting me. It's 1045. I'm Bob Joseph. It seems I always have a few questions on WNBF. 1049 WNBF, taking the calls now at 607-772-1290. You're listening to Bob Joseph Live. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
9: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Dave from Vestal. Good morning, Bob. Yeah,
4: welcome back, my friend, to the show that never ends. Hey, Bob, you know,
9: I, I... I had to call, you know, I hate to tell you this, but yesterday, uh, you disappointed me a little bit and I was a little surprised. Your last caller of the day, uh, he, he, he made the statement that some people go into law enforcement to physically harm african-americans bob that's the most asinine statement i think i've heard on your show
4: well I, I it's hard hard to come up with a top ten list because after more than a decade there are probably dozens of statements that fall into that category so i didn't uh, yeah when time time was running out i didn't have time to respond with uh with as much as i I probably would have or should have so. but you know he's if he wanted to make that kind of uh, statement, he was entitled to his opinion. I doubt that it was shared by many others in the viewing audience.
9: Right, and I was just surprised because you usually push back on that stuff. Yeah, and
4: usually, and your to your point, I, I think it was right toward the toward closing yeah. time. You know, if people, you know, if people want to take advantage, I mean, it's sort of the way uh, NBA players or the NFL players uh, can run the clock. I mean, some people are are adept; they see that there's a few seconds left, and they can they can try to work one of their witty little barbs into the program knowing that there's probably insufficient time for the the referee to call them on a foul that's true so you know it's like but but what i love about the program is how people no matter what happens no matter what happens regardless of um what callers say people are always angry at the host (laughs) I mean, isn't it interesting? It makes no difference. I mean, everywhere I go, there are people, and by the way, I think on, on one level, on one level, it's great that people listen, but the one thing that, even if I'm doing this program in 35 years, it will never cease to amaze me how people are always disappointed in one way or the other at my hosting capabilities. <laughs> no, I'm. Tr- oh, no, you know, guys, you think no. I'm. You think I'm kidding? It, you don't even know the half of it. You know, nobody. Oh, you can- it, the, the phrase, the phrase, nobody's ever happy, applies. I mean, not to life, but especially to this endeavor. Nobody, truly, nobody's ever happy.
9: I understand your feelings, Bob. About- hey, real quick before I go, uh, can I make a comment about protest? Protest, Bob. By- I'm. I'm waiting to see, Bob. When are we going to see protests around our country, protesting socialism, Marxism, communism? That's a much bigger threat to our country than bad cops. When am I going to see that? You're going to help me organize some, maybe? I don't
4: organize protests. That's another thing. You know, after all these years, people think because I host a talk show that somehow I'm going to organize some event or a protest. No. No. I facilitate conversation, and I also report. You know, people people always want me to take a side, as, as though, Bob, it's it's your official duty to support one side over another. When, as a journalist, I'm supposed to be trying to report as fairly as possible. Even though some people trust me as much as some people hate police, there are a lot of people who hate reporters. No, we need
9: them, Bob. No, we count on you. We, we I know you count
4: them. on me, but that doesn't make it any any less true that some people still hate reporters. Just as some people who listen to this program and some people who call think police can't do anything right, there are also people who hold the opinion that reporters can't do anything right.
9: Well, I don't agree with that one. Yeah,
4: well, the difference is, here's the thing. You know, the good news... The good news For people who hate reporters, you're going to get your wish because every damn day there are fewer and fewer reporters in this country. So ultimately, you're going to have exceedingly few journalists left, and you're going to get your wish. Now, as far as people who don't like police they're not law enforcement's not going away contrary to what some might have you believe the police are always going to be fully funded and they're always going to be here and there are always let's be honest in america there will always be a lot more law enforcement personnel than there will be journalists journalists are disappearing at a disturbing rate and the fact is there's some people listening are saying great that's great no, no, that's scary,
9: Bob, because, you know, but you think about it, though, but what good are they anymore anyways because everything's hush-hush. What kind of information can you give us? Everyone keep everything
4: quiet. Now. We do the best we can. Again, you know, the police at least get support from most, most people, and the law is on the side of the police. But when it comes to journalists doing their job and trying to report fairly on what's going on, the police don't want that. Most of the public doesn't seem to want it. And the law, in a lot of cases, doesn't seem to be on the side of journalists. So ultimately, ultimately, the police will be able to do what they want, and there won't be any journalists, or there will be very few journalists, covering what goes on. And that way, the police will be happy, most of our listeners will be happy, and they won't know... What's what's actually going on? Because the uh, the information will be released in official documents, one and two page news releases, as officials see fit. You know, that's in my estimation, that sounds more like the way Putin's Russian would operate, or that country called North Korea, or some of these other countries where journalists aren't supposed to report independently. When I grew up in America, there was an expectation that journalists would try. To a certain extent, to serve as as a, a sort of um, ability to keep not only government but business and nonprofits uh, somewhat accountable. But now, most people are more than happy to see the demise of what was once a fairly proud and fairly vibrant journalistic infrastructure.
9: And you're right about those countries, Bob. You made my point. So when are we going to start protesting communism? We got to start soon. Here, we can't wait.
4: It's not going to make a difference because when those protests are finally held, there won't be any reporters around to cover it because they've been ordered to leave. And, the pol- that, you know, the police, the police should be supporting the rights of reporters to cover things. Instead, the police are working in some cases to keep reporters from covering because there's something that used to be known as the public's right to know. And now it's basically viewed as, no, the public has no right to know. If there's something to be told about anything that happens, we'll put out a news release when we get around to it.
9: That's insane, Bob. We're well, that's what you know. got, we man. And we want to know. We, we want reporters, but we want info. We,
4: I thrive on it. Yeah, well, it's too late, man. You know, they finally beat us and pepper sprayed us. And so, you know, journalism as it once existed is almost gone. On the other hand, I'm sure they'll issue a news release next week or next month. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. First, and stay healthier without drugs.
6: Navaj is available at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Target, Rite Aid, and online.
4: Navaj, N-A-V, A-G-E, clean nose, healthy life. Bob Joseph live, WNBF, Bingo where news breaks first news radio 1290 wnbf
2: good morning on this friday february 3rd you're listening to wnbf johnson city police say more than a dozen people are expected to face charges following a protest outside the wegman's store on harry l drive the demonstration was held in response to the killing of tyree nichols in memphis and the violent arrest of a binghamton man According to a Johnson City Police Department news release, about 50 people participated in the protest on Wegmans' property. The release indicated Wegmans had called Village Police for help because they did not want the event to take place on their property. The police department reported protesters ignored directives by store employees to leave the site. According to the news release, officers advised participants and reporters to leave and anyone not in compliance was guilty of trespass. These are the people who were arrested, according to the Johnson City Police Department. Angela Kennedy Richardson of Binghamton, Nicole Baisley of Endicott, Courtney Hollandbeck of ABC Maine, New News, I'm Sarah Morgan Faber M- of Binghamton, John Cook of Endicott, Masai Andrews of Endicott, Chanel Boyce of Binghamton, Therese Weathers of Binghamton, Robert Wilson of Binghamton, Matthew Ryan of Binghamton, Samuel Whalen of Binghamton, Marissa Robinson of Binghamton, Kareen Visvari of Binghamton, and Grace Weiderkrantz of Binghamton. Ryan is a former mayor of Binghamton. Police said a 17-year-old boy also was arrested. His name was not released. According to the news release, more charging information will be released as the incident is sorted out. Police added no follow-up questions or interview requests will be taken at this time. We will be releasing additional information in the coming days. Several see-through noise reduction panels have been taken down along a section of Route 201 flyover in Johnson City. The noise barriers were removed by crews last week over Boland Drive. According to the State Department of Transportation, loose concrete was observed during a routine inspection of the busy link between Vestal and Johnson City. At this point, it's not clear whether the spalling of the concrete bridge siding that's occurred will lead to significant repair work. A DOT statement indicates the agency is assessing the Route 201 bridge over the Susquehanna River and it was closed while the noise barriers were taken down over a period of about three days. The panels were installed in December 2005 as the flyover project was being created. A woman who lives just east of the site told WMBF News on Thursday that she hadn't noticed any significant difference since the noise barriers were removed. She said the noise from the vehicles using Route 201 doesn't seem to disrupt my sleep. It was the winter of 2010 and excitement buzzed all around Binghamton as a film crew rolled into town and rumors began to swirl that perhaps a music video was being filmed in Broome County and for a major name artist. Broome County residents didn't have to wait long for the answers they were looking for. A music video was, in fact, being filmed in Broom County for none other than megastar Taylor Swift and for her song Back to December. While Swift herself wasn't in town for any part of the filming, residents waited in anticipation for the music video to be released so they could look for local landmarks and perhaps catch a glimpse of someone they knew in the background. When the video was released, we spotted outdoor footage of MacArthur Park, a field on Underwood and Castleman in Vessel, Juneberry Bridge, a house on the corner of Juneberry by the bridge, a field by the park on Juneberry next to the creek, and of course the castle house that sits on Route 26 in Vestal near Foster and Maine. Now a piece of that music video is being torn and a new business is moving in. The castle house, featured in Back to December, is located on Route 26 in Vestal, and a local couple says they'll be tearing it down Funky Bees plans to open a hot dog and ice cream shop at the property by late spring. However, the castle house has got to come down. According to Funky Bees, there is simply no way to save the structure. Structural engineers and inspectors both agree that the foundation is unsafe, the beams are rotting, and the building is beyond repair. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force, comprised of detectives and officers from the Broome County Sheriff's Office, Binghamton Police Department, Johnson City Police Department, and Endicott Police Department, announced two major cases overnight in the village of Endicott and in the town of Shenango, recovering tens of thousands of dollars in narcotics and illegal weapons. On Wednesday, February 1st, the task force executed a search at 127 Washington Avenue, apartment two in the village of Endicott, seizing a variety of evidence, including fentanyl and firearms. On Thursday morning, February 2nd, the task force conducted a drug interdiction stop on a vehicle on Interstate 81 northbound at Exit 7 in the town of Shenango. The task force was assisted by the Broome County Sheriff's Office patrol units, the U.S. Office of Homeland Security Investigations, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection Air and Marine Operations. During the stop, a narcotic dog was utilized and alerted to the presence of narcotics emanating from the vehicle. All arrested individuals were transported to the Central Arraignment Park Court at the Broom County Correctional Facility to await arraignment. Broom County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated... These two cases are the result of the hard work and dedication put in by our local men and women of law enforcement every day, paying off in a big way. Nearly $50,000 of fentanyl off the streets means countless overdoses prevented and lives saved. If you do the math, our team recovered roughly 570,600 fatal doses of fentanyl. A published report says federal authorities are investigating whether embattled New York Representative George Santos raised $3,000 for life-saving surgery for a disabled veteran's dog and then kept the money for himself. Politico reported that two FBI agents contacted U.S. Navy veteran Richard Ostoff on Wednesday on behalf of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York. The local news site Patch reported last month that Santos set up a GoFundMe account to treat Ostoff's dog but refused to turn over the funds. A spokesperson for the U.S. Attorney's Office said he could not comment. A message-seeking comment was left with Santos' attorney. A newly released audio recording offers a behind-the-scenes look at how former President Donald Trump's campaign team in a pivotal battleground state knew that they had been outflanked by Democrats in the 2020 presidential election. But even as they acknowledged defeat, they pivoted to allegations of widespread fraud that were ultimately debunked repeatedly by election officials and the courts. The audio from November 5th, 2020, two days after the election, is surfacing as Trump again seeks the White House while continuing to lie about the legitimacy of the outcome and Democrat Joe Biden's win. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers, patchy blowing snow afternoon, mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 15. Wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, a 40% chance of snow. Tonight, chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m. Patchy blowing snow before midnight, mostly cloudy with a low near 2 degrees, windchill as low as negative 20. Blustery with wind gusts as high as 36 miles per hour, a 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 20, windchill as low as negative 17. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 19. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 42, Sunday night cloudy, a low near 32 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF. WMBF.com and 92.1 FM.
4: Bob Joseph Live, 607-772-1290. We will be taking some calls this hour, so I encourage you to stay tuned to find out what some people have to say on WNBF. Oh, Caller number one, Tom from Windsor. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Hope you're doing well today. Thank you. Hope you are too. Hi, I am. I am.
0: Call- I was listening to you um, in the previous caller just before the news, and um, I I totally disagree with your view on journalism. Um, and let me explain. I think because of all of the censorship and everything that has went on, it drove the good media underground, so to speak. I feel the present day uh, media's have been captured. I think um, there's a lot of truthful, serious journalism going on underground, uh, and they. They talk about things that are very important in in today's world, like this this global situation where they want like a one world government, essentially, through very entities. Um, you know, and they cover things that go on there. It gives you a total different picture. And if people would be uh, informed and learn and read some of that stuff. They uh, would help them understand some of these present present situations that are going on locally and statewide. And um, if you do a little analytical thinking, it all makes sense. Uh, Go ahead. I'll let you say
4: something. Okay. Now, I appreciate your view. All right. So you're uh, happy to see the demise of journalism as we know it
0: i think journalism as we know it still exists that's what i'm trying to say
4: barely no i mean barely journalism as we know it barely exists uh thousands and thousands of reporters have lost their jobs over the last decade so you're happy with that the fact that there are now fewer journalists in the united states than ever in our lifetime you're you're content with with what's going on
0: i'm not saying i'm content with what you're alluding to uh with the mainstream that's that's what i'm getting but there's i i i submit to you that there's there's more journalism going on now than there ever has been
4: there's you definitely there, no. There's it, def, no. There's definitely more noise going on now as far as professional journalism. No, but is are are more people talking and posting things online than ever before. Absolutely, there there are an infinite number of sources of information online. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of what's online turns out to be less than accurate.
0: Well, there's a lot of science, science of the mind and behavior that's going on right now, and if you seek out some of these other journalists and stuff, you will find out all kinds of things that are helping to put this country into a global, uh, under global control. These are non non governmental organizations.
4: There. I'm talking about local news. I'm not talking about national or international things. I'm talking about local news right now. There's a crisis in local news. And everybody seems to be content. It's 11:15 coming up next. we'll talk about the Vestal Museum. What's up with the museum? We'll find out next. right here. I'm Bob Joseph live on news radio, WNBF. 921 FM, 1290 AM, and you're always connected using the free WNBF app. Welcome. Bob Joseph live at News Radio, WNBF. We now shift our attention to the town of Vestal and the Vestal Museum. Cherise Rosales joins us now. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Bob.
4: Thanks for being with us on WNBF on this Friday morning. Yeah,
10: thank you so much
4: for having me. I stopped by the museum a couple hours ago, but nobody was there.
10: there early this morning so possibly i was fixing stuff around the museum Oh, okay
4: i was there at 8 eight seventeen. 17 okay i was
10: there at eight thirty. 30
4: so you just oh, missed i you. just missed you if i'd known i would mm-hmm. have sta- stayed around for another 13 minutes but i wanted yeah. to uh just make sure ahead of our our conversation i wanted to make sure everything was intact and everything i i checked all four sides of the Uh, museum building and everything looked good as of uh, three hours ago and certainly uh, as you noted when you arrived there everything seemed to be in fine fine order still standing well yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would have been our... you imagine if, if something had happened and we, we just, for some reason, talked about festival museum events, but we didn't mention, gee, with all that wind that blew through last night, it's it's too bad about what happened to the structure, but it's like, eh, sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> anyway, they, built, they
3: built them pretty sturdy. <laughs> Yes, they did, 200. back in the day.
4: Speaking of that, and, and for people not familiar with... Uh, the exact structure that that is home to the vestal museum that actually i think is is worth noting because it's beautiful but uh, give our listeners a little bit history of of the uh the building that houses the vestal museum which is currently located near the town library
10: sure um so the vestal train depot um was part of the was on the tracks and the railway ra- the railroad station went into service in 1881 and it served Vestal as the train station until 1959 and then to save the building from disrepair because it was sort of just sitting on the tracks Um, not getting any attention and um, sort of going going into disrepair, Um, the town of Vestal moved it to uh, just a piece of land they had in front of what is now the Vestal Library in 1972 and opened it as a museum in 76. So it's been a museum for 30-some-odd years, 40-some-odd years. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Well, also, and because I I always like taking fresh pictures, not that I don't already have enough Vestal Museum photos in my archive to uh, uh, last for the rest of my career, but I I thought, I'll take some nice (laughs) new pictures, because of, you know, if we do any stories, to have uh, some wintertime pictures of the museum, and I also took a nice picture of the historical marker that was uh, made possible by the Pomeroy Foundation, and uh, Hey, that's I know it's been there for a few years, but it's the first time I really look closely at that historic marker that does essentially tell tell the the background of the Vestal Depot as as you just explained. And so I I think that's a it's also a, a nice touch at the site of the town museum.
10: Yeah, the um Pomeroy does that uh around the state, um and they give out grants uh through through our our town historian Margaret Hadfield made that happen,
4: and I know she was busy because there are a lot of uh, recently installed historic markers around the town of Vestal. She's, yes. I, I think I think out of all the the local historians, she may have been uh, the busiest in terms of securing those those historic markers through the the program. Offered by the Pomeroy Foundation, so I give her a tip of my hat. It's eleven twenty-three. Oh, yeah. We're talking with uh, Charisse Rosales. So you're the director of the museum, executive yes, director. I'm the,
10: I'm the director, yeah. so I take care of the functioning of events and the care of the um, collection, which is uh, owned by both the town of Estill. It's sort of a combined collection of the Town of Vestal and the Historical Society. So the vessel I'm a bit of a liaison between um, the Historical Society and the Town of Vestal, and so I work with um, with that group, um, and I work for the Town of Vestal. The museum is owned by, it's a municipal museum owned by the town.
4: Tell us about the upcoming exhibit. You have something that will be making its debut next week.
10: Yes. Um, so we are doing an exhibit called Found in the Ground, and um, they are glass archaeological objects that will be on display uh, from February 11th, which is our opening, um, through May 3rd. And they, the glass objects are um, being lent from the public archaeology facility at Binghamton University. And um, at our opening on Saturday, the 11th, Claire Horn, who's um, the lab director, will will give a talk at 1 p.m. And what's great about this exhibit? It's the first time that we are doing the Vessel Museum's doing a exhibit in conjunction with Binghamton University Art Museum and the Robertson. So all three places uh, will have exhibits on glass. And they're all opening. Binghamton University's um, exhibit opened last evening, and it w- it's called Bonds Glass Bonds. So it's all about the science of glass. And if you go to all three exhibits, you will get um, a little glass uh, figurine as as a gift for going and seeing all three exhibits.
4: <laughs> well, it's it's an intriguing idea. I'm looking at the um, event information on the vestal museum website which is conveniently located at vestalmuseum.org. i'm looking at a couple of those bottles a couple of them look like bottles i found when some guys were digging up the uh, the parking lot of the old endicott plaza to put in a new sewer line some of that stuff now some of the stuff there you wouldn't want to touch over at that that former Endicott Johnson dump because it was it contained totally hazardous uh, tanning chemicals. So I didn't touch it, but I wanted to because a couple of the glass bottles that were unearthed look looked very beautiful. And then I thought, oh well, I'll leave them alone because I I don't want my hands to fall off when I when I pick up the the glass bottles. I mean. As they say, lovely to look at, but better not hold. So anyway, I I love this concept of of showing some of the the various items that have been found buried around our area. I think I think this is great that the Vestal Museum, along with Robertson and uh, University's Art Museum, will will be doing this uh, exhibit over the next few months. Yeah, I really I'm really
10: appreciative to be involved with those institutions and. Um, it's been a really good time and interesting time uh, preparing for the joint exhibit.
4: Will there be other events coming up later this year uh, at the Vestal Museum as far as uh, special performances or other things for town residents?
10: Yes, um, For the whole Broome County area, we're working right now, we're writing the grants for our, um, our second Saturday program. Which has run every year for the last six or seven years. This year, um, we are planning on having the event at the Rail Trail. So it will be a it will run every second Saturday uh, from May through October, and we we have some really exciting and uh, just unusual, unusually good bands this year coming from across the country, really. Um, uh of course you know we're we're waiting on those grants so we, we we rely on that funding uh for it to happen but um with all planning you know hopefully it will work out and um every second saturday from may through october um there'll be like, uh, grassroots and Zydeco and um bands um that are like americana bands so so uh, it's um, it's going to be exciting. Look out for it um, if you if you keep an eye on our website vestomuseum.org and our Facebook page. Um, just hit Vesto Museum, like Vesto Museum on Facebook, and that information will come up as as we get closer to the time of the event.
4: And also, speaking of funding, the uh, effort to secure sufficient funding to make the Relocation of the museum that that effort is continuing, correct?
10: Yes, we are still in the process. Everyone asks me what's going on with the move of the museum, and uh, we are still planning on moving it. We are working with the state to just go through all the loops as far as his, when we move it, it has to be moved it in a way that like. Um, keeps the historical accuracy and making sure that um we're protecting the building historically so we go through um, the state historic um associations and we're working with them to to get the plans um verified and then we we do we're still raising money um uh, we raised so much money but um things got more expensive after covid so If anybody wants to help donate to
4: move the museum, they can contact me. Well, the one, as as you noticed, or as you mentioned, everything. The only thing I know about anything in life is it's always going to cost more. So you plan to do something, say this summer. Well, it's going to cost more. For, if yep. for some reason you can't do it till next summer or whatever, costs for whether it's construction or relocation for any project cost will never go down. So that's that's been one of the, the challenges because this this goal of moving the museum back over to near the coal house this has been going on for quite a while to to have this eventually happen.
10: Yeah, we we started writing the grants before COVID. And we got a grant from the state for three hundred and sixty thousand um and then local um granting agencies uh are interested and have you know given us money that um are going towards towards the move so we're we're getting there um it just got more expensive, and we're hoping the community will come together and and help us with the move. We think it will really be wonderful for Vestal, kind of creating like a historic like district, um, right near the coal house. It would be about a hundred meters from the, the museum would be moved to be about a hundred meters from the coal house. And then there's two other, um, historic buildings right past that. So it would create, um, an area for people to come together and celebrate different events and. Um, so we're still moving towards that for sure.
4: What's the most recent cost estimate that has been discussed for the that project the entire project to relocate from the parkway?
3: the The
10: estimate is at 2 million which it seems high um, but uh, they estimate it and then contractors can come when we get to that point and bid on the project so, um, it's not, it's not necessarily two million, but that is the, um, that's the the amount that, that that was quoted.
4: So, so if people happen to have a, a spare million or two lying around, we'd and,
10: appreciate
4: and, it. <laughs> I was going to say, can can uh, that type of person or maybe just people with less than a million or two if people want to support this? What's the best way that they might be able to donate to, to help? Raise the um, funding that will be needed for the move
10: the best thing to do would be to contact me um, on my email and we can we'll figure something out we we want to do we want to make sure that people are um, involved in this very personally so if they email me at See Rosales at VestalNY.com. We can have a meeting or conversation about what they're interested in donating and, you know, how we'll display that, whether if it if it's with a plaque once we move the museum or, um, you know, like we haven't figured out if we're going to do like um, a trail of bricks um, with people's names in that or plaques. But we will definitely uh, work with people to to be a part of um, sharing the move. And if they help us, well, you know, we, we want to be partners with them on that. So
4: realistically, is there any possibility the museum could be moved this year or is that probably not going to happen? Um,
10: We, we were hoping for this year and, and we're still working with the state. It goes so much slower than you'd expect. They, they, get the plans from our architects and um, ask us to revise and then um, we send it back. And then a few months later, they get back in touch. So um, it's just a slower process always when you're working with these state grants. But um, for this year, it, it's possible. That's all, I, you know, that's all I can say.
4: Yeah. Well, on the other hand, I guess we'll know that it's being moved when we, See it actually in motion. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing, too, for for those who might have a long memory, that the plan to transport the museum building, uh, whenever it happens, whether it's this year or at some point in the future, the actual move back over to the area where it had been is going to be accomplished in a different way than the move that happened in the mid-'70s.
10: Yeah, it has to because of power lines, and it's a really big deal to take everything down. So it can only, there can only, it can only go over just across the parkway. It can't go all the way down the parkway because you'd have to take down all those power lines. The museum's so high. So um, at one point um, on the parkway, kind of across where the museum sits now, they'll. They'll either hoist it up over the power lines, that or um, yeah, it looks like that's the plan. But it will be hoisted up with a big crane. That's what we're we're planning on right now, which will be a, a great event to come and watch <laughs> when it
4: happens. Well, I plan to be there. <laughs> yeah. Just let me know. Give me give me at least twelve hours notice so I can make sure I have plenty of film in my camera.
10: Hey, I, I thought it would be cool if I could sit in the museum while they're hoisting it
4: and like look <laughs> out the window. Yeah, well, if you get permission for that, ask ask if two people can can do that because I think that would be a great that that would be a great video to post on on Twitter. Okay, we're moving the Vestal Museum, all aboard. Great. Right. My my guess is the contractor and the insurance people aren't gonna settle for that, but in the highly unlikely say if you get the go ahead and they say, Yeah, what the heck? We don't care. Here, just sign sign these sign waivers. This. Yeah. Yeah. If anything happens, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna blame us and then, you know, say, Well, can I have an extra form for Bob Joseph? And they say, Yeah, well, we'd actually put him right right on top. We don't care what happens to him all
3: right, we'll at all. Together.
4: Yeah. No, that'd be that'd be fascinating. But again, I think uh, w- whenever it happens, again, it's it, when you start talking, because the key, one of the key agencies you're dealing with is the State Historic Preservation Office, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I know from covering other stories over the years with um, other municipalities, say here in Binghamton, I mean, they they spent years and years and years working with SHPO before they could finally get the green light for the restoration of the carousel at or at uh, ross park but you know alas it finally happened took the better part of a decade but anyway it's it's underway so you know even though there are a lot of um hurdles and requirements to be met eventually these things can happen yeah
3: yeah and
10: i think it it
4: will at some point all right anything else we should know
10: um, stay tuned. We do we do a lot of events um, this year. Uh, we're this is the year of craftivity because after COVID, a lot of people just don't come through the way they used to. So we're going to set up craftivities for people to come in and make something here, do something here. So stay tuned for that. Just check our our website and our Facebook page, and we're going to have. Um, you know, activities where people can come in and make something, have their kids come in and make something, um, get people seeing the exhibits and, um, and having, you know, it's a, it's a space for the public. So if people have a group that wants to meet and they think this is the right space for them, we can make that happen. Um, we have, um, we have music lessons coming out of people teaching music at the Vesta Museum, people teaching art. So there's a lot going on here. Um, and we welcome everybody to come and check
4: out what we're doing. Cherise Rosales, director of the Vestal Museum and Coal House. Thanks for joining us today on WNBF. Keep me posted.
10: Thanks so much,
4: Bob. Talk to you soon. 1139, this is Bob Joseph, always with a few questions. It just never stops right here on WNBF, one FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. But think twice. That's my only advice. Back to the phones, it's Airport Road Bob in the town of Maine. Good morning. Hey, Bob.
11: I just called to uh, give you some kudos. I listened to your show a couple of weeks ago when you had Mr. Molinari on. And um, I really appreciate when you ask the hard questions, well, the easy questions, and then when they can't answer them, you continue to ask the easy question to get an answer. I, I really thought that was great about uh, Mr. Santos's donation
4: yeah I noticed how it was uh, it was like uh, pulling teeth to get a straight answer out of the guy and and I like Mark Molinero insofar as he's been here at the station uh, multiple times so he's been accessible that happened to be a phone interview but you know when we got to the to the point perhaps the the toughest part of our conversation that day he didn't he didn't seem to want to part with the money that George Santos had donated to his campaign. And I, I just found it fascinating.
11: Yeah, so did I. But I loved how you just kept asking the question. I did see him at the um, American Legion Post 1700 before the election. He and Mr. A- Akshar decided to show up and answer uh, questions for the people in the town of Union or the town of Endicott. And um, I just, I was told that my girlfriend made me promise that I wouldn't go in and create a stir. So I just stood in the back and and observed. But one lady kept asking him the same yes and no question. She kept saying, it's a yes and no question, sir. Can you just answer yes or no? And he spent 10 minutes without giving an answer. Um, just I just can't take these politicians. I mean... What's wrong with the people that keep electing these people that won't do their freaking job? Um, it's just sad. I mean, and they're all about themselves. They're not about anything for the people.
4: Well, I'll say to, want... to Congressman Molinari's credit and to uh, the credit of a few other people around here who actually still dare to subject themselves to a few questions, hey, at least they do it. Think about the people who've opted out. Those are the people I think you need to be most worried about. I'm not, I'm not unduly concerned about Mr. Molinari and that donation that his campaign received from the the lying, the lying legislator from Long Island. That, that doesn't bother me a lot. What concerns me most, and not personally for myself but for uh, people of the area are the elected officials who choose never to come on the program because they don't want to be subjected to a few questions because clearly they haven't come up with the sufficient resources to respond even if it's the you know a telltale non-answer or not a direct answer at least it's a response
9: well i grew up
11: from uh in the old school you know i'm an old man um, I was taught by parents that, you know, were old school, and my father always told me that you can't tell a lie because you'll never remember it. So I, I'm pretty straight up. I piss a lot of people off from time to time because I'm honest and forthright. I tell it like it is. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth because I'm really too stupid to remember the lies that, you know, I tell everybody. So Well,
4: and, and I, you I, know, I that's, that's as much as people get infuriated by former Binghamton mayor Matthew Ryan, and let's face it, you know, because of who he is and his positions and and whatever, you know, he, he does have a tendency to bother a few people. Hey, at least you know where he stands, at least he'll yep. at least he'll express himself. What about the people I again, I'm more concerned about current officials who won't tell you where the, where they stand on anything and they won't give you a current update on any project. Those are the people that uh, I think listeners should be most concerned about. But you know what? They they get they get uh all animated over the darnedest things. You know, someone who's no longer in office, it's like, well, why should he express himself? I don't know. Everybody should express themselves. But the, the, people, the people who are currently in office, and those are the ones, by the way, just so they know, you know, in the future, when their names come up, when there are scandals and indictments, we'll still contact them to get their side of the story. So, I mean, maybe that's what they're afraid of that. Oh, well, Bob knows about the investigations. Did you ever think, I, you know, I, maybe that's what they're concerned about?
11: I don't know. Just, you know, if you can tell, just, just I don't know. I'm, like I said, an old man frustrated <laughs> with the,
4: the politics of today. I you know. I know. You, I know you, and I, I mean, let's face it. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust anybody. Thank yep. you, Bob. And like I said,
11: kudos. Keep asking those questions and. Put him on the spot, will you, please?
4: Appreciate your call. Eleven forty-eight, Dale in Binghamton. Good morning.
7: Good morning, Bob. Nice, uh, quiet day and everything, and uh, glad to hear you back on the on the radio. And the whole thing is, uh, you know, I was getting a little worried there for a while, but uh, damn what, you know, and I just waited, and I'm glad you're okay, you know. I've been through that stuff. So, so
4: well, thank you, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm. Trust me, I'm here to serve. Well, I'm here to
7: serve too. I've done, i done my job. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, stopped, I was thinking about, uh, you know, working on the on the north side here and everything, and uh, you know, I had to call the police a couple times just because of a brick and entering and. Uh, a bunch of dance hall girls coming out and doing a few things, and, you know, I just had to uh, express myself saying, you know, this isn't right for all these kids. And there was a bunch of kids down there, too, um, doing something in the parking lot, and I could see them right through, you know, looking down at them and stuff and saying, well, you know, what are these kids doing And they were stripping... Uh, the heavy equipment down there before they stripped the car. Really? Or, yeah. And then they stripped, they started stripping heavy equipment. And I called the, the police. They showed up and everything, you know.
4: And did the, the officers latch on to any of the miscreants?
7: Yes, but a lot of them ran away across the tracks, you know. Not across the bridge, but across the yeah. tracks, you know. Well, you know, and I pointed that out to the officer, and I said, "There goes one now." So, and you could see them just running across there. And I'm glad you're paying attention because it's so stupid. And get kids like that, you know, younger children, kids mixed up with that kind of thing. It just really bugs the heck out of me.
4: Yeah, Well, I'm glad you called the police to try to get some action taken. Hope you have a great weekend. Oh yeah, I will. All right, every, take care. Every weekend's a great. You <laughs> have one too. <laughs> Thank you, and we'll uh, catch you on Monday right here at News Radio WNBF. Bob Joseph with you. Yes, I am here to serve. I am here to serve the community to ferret out the information. Sometimes information that they don't want to have ferreted out. Well, that's none of your business. We're the government. We work for ourselves. And sometimes you ask yourself, no, or you just say, why do they think they work for themselves? You see, government officials who act as though they're working for themselves. No, they're working for the people. So if you acquire information because you're working for the people... Generally speaking, it belongs to the people, ultimately. Well, we can't let you see that because what? Because it might show that government employees did something that might not look good? No, the information should be released, and it should be released on a timely basis. Because if you work in a government job... You're not working for yourself. You're not an independent contractor. You work for the people. Always remember, and we thank you for your service. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF.
9: Cool, Uncle, starts recording.
4: joseph at eleven fifty-five. joan in Binghamton. good morning you're on the air good
12: morning good morning is it warm
4: enough for you oh my gosh <laughs> at least it's going to get up to 42 on sunday so i think i'm going to survive
12: yeah well also the fact that it's going to be two or three days or four days in the 30s and 40s so that that's uh that's significant when you have more than one but anyway, uh, Spectrum this morning, I guess, has been playing the, I call it the Ryan video, I guess. I'm surprised to see it so many times. I just happened to look at the news now for the weather and then earlier, and, uh, you know, he was on both times. So I was surprised that they were playing it that
4: much. Oh, that's good. Well, maybe I'll uh, pay for another month of Spectrum news then if, if they're playing it. I didn't... Yeah, they're
12: playing I think, every time they run the news.
4: Oh, Good. Well, I hope people can see it across uh, New York State on Spectrum Local News, so I, the only I commend problem
12: them. Is, is, it's so jittery. I don't know if they did that on purpose so you couldn't see the people' faces or whatever. I mean, it's just like a mass confusion. Well, maybe,
4: uh, maybe the person who was taking the video got shot up with pepper sprays.
12: It's something because the thing is just so. Jud- it's, it's almost like it's mm. on a. It's a bouncing, a very fast bouncing ball.
4: Yeah, it makes you think that the law enforcement people didn't want any coverage of what was going on there.
12: Uh, maybe I don't know. Whoever controlled, yeah, whoever shot. Well, it. No,
4: the the police didn't want reporters there. The police wanted reporters to leave. So they, you know, if the reporters didn't leave, then they they would get a snoot full of pepper spray. So the the police could continue to do whatever they were going to do without any sort of accountability
12: well it didn't it was so mass confusion i would think that there wasn't going to be there weren't any signs i don't even know what it was about it just looked like a you know, like when everybody rushes on the field after a after a game or something and is pissed off and they're going every which way and you know, I mean it was almost like somebody had fired a rifle and everybody was running in every direction, you know, you didn't even know what it was. I mean it's terrible.
4: Yeah, it was terrible. I, I agree. Appreciate your call. I hope you have a great weekend. This is Bob Joseph live on W N B F.
2: Coverage made for small businesses. What are you waiting for? Ask your agent for pie, Or get a quote in three minutes at IneedPie.com. That's I need pie.com
4: I'm Bob Joseph. My thanks to all who listened today. As always, we thank you for your support. I shall return Monday morning. In the meantime, please enjoy your weekend responsibly. It's 12 noon. This is WNBF Binghamton.